Welcome to First Baptist Church of Augusta. We're so glad you could join us for worship this morning. Here at First Baptist, we are a church that lives out the greatest commandment of Jesus, which is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We believe that following the way of Jesus should make a difference in the world around us. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing at FBC Augusta today. All right, everybody, good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and in just a moment, we are going to read verses 1 through 11 together. And so I am thrilled that you are here in the room with us this morning. And for you guys watching online, uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be here with us as we continue on this morning in our series. We've only got three weeks left in our series where throughout the summer we've been looking at the book of Philippians. It's, it's a letter, a short letter that Paul wrote to a church that was trying to figure out what does it look like for us to follow Jesus well? What does it look like for us to have joy in the midst of this life. And so throughout the series, we've been asking the question, how, how do we hear Paul's words and, and follow his teaching and live that out so that we might be people of joy in a world that is increasingly divided and fractured. And so if you missed anything so far, you know where you can go to our website or you can download our podcast and catch up. But today we continue on by talking about worth. How do we find out our identity, who we are and whose we are? And so we begin, as is always right to do, by reading together from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi from chapter 3, verses 1. 1 through 11. If you've got your Bibles, great. If not, no worries. The words will be on the screen as I begin reading. Paul says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Jesus Christ, who have no confidence in the flesh, though I have reasons for such confidence. If anyone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever gains to, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So you, whoa, there they go. All right, so you guys know one of my favorite things to do in my spare time is to read philosophy and to study different philosophers. I was really impressed last week when somebody came to me and they said, Will, you have mentioned all of my favorite postmodern philosophers in your recent series. And all I thought was, you are my friend, dude. Uh, 
And one of my, one of my favorite philosophers, a guy I've talked about quite a bit, is a man named Cornell West. Now, Cornell West is a contemporary philosopher right now. He teaches at Union Theological Seminary, not only to the Divinity School, but to the whole of the university. And the lecture that he was delivering was about how do we find our identity in the midst of the world in which we live. And Dr. West stood up, Cornell stood up at the beginning of his lecture, and he said that I am Cornell West, and I've done some incredible things in my life. But the greatest honor of my life was not going and uh, teaching at the University of Paris, the oldest university in the world. He said that the greatest honor of my life was not teaching and being a professor at Harvard University, which he did for a long time. He said, the greatest honor of my life was not my post now where I'm at Union Theological Seminary. No, no, those things are good. But he said, the greatest honor of my life is to be the second son of Clifton and Irene B. West. And then he pauses for a moment and he looks out at the crowd and he has these incredible words to say. That I am who I am because somebody loved me. The thing that defines Cornell West, the thing that he said gives him a sense of identity in the world is not all of those accomplishments, but the thing that gives him a sense of identity is being the second son of Clifton and Irene B. West. And those words just ring out in my consciousness. I actually quoted them to you a few months ago, so I know all you guys remember that, right? Right. I am who I am. Cornell says, speech, a word that we need to listen to this morning is he says, that does not define me, but what defines me is the love that I have experienced from another. See, West is a philosopher, and he spends his time thinking deeply about questions of identity. And what I would suggest to us this morning is that Paul does the exact same thing. He spends a majority of the time in his letters asking questions about identity. Who are we? Who are we and how do we know how we are called to live in this world? He's asking questions of identity. And yes, Cornell West does it and so does Paul. But what I want to suggest to you guys this morning is that each and every single one of us, from the time we are born until the time we breathe our last breath, here's the thing that I think. We are all searching for identity. We are all searching for some sort of identity. And the good news of the gospel is that when we begin to experience Jesus, we have an identity that is given to us. And I'm going to get to that in just a few moments. But the, where I want to start is that right now, every single one of us is using some sort of lens to help make sense of the world. I might be my parents' child. I might be a member of this political party. I might be this as a job. And that gives us a framework. That gives us an identity. And it is not new for us today, but throughout the whole of human history, we've all been in a quest to figure out who we are and why we are here. See, that's what's going on in this section of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. I've talked about it each week, but this letter is filled with joy. This letter is filled with celebration because Paul has encountered this church and they are beautiful people. They are beautiful people who are loving Jesus and they are loving their city and they are making a huge difference for the sake of the gospel. But here is the thing, that the city of Philippi was a Roman colony. And as a Roman colony, there weren't a significant number of Jews in Philippi. 
But instead, there were a number of Roman citizens. And what had happened is that the church began to grow not with Jewish Christians, but instead they began to grow with Gentiles. Gentiles are people, uh, if you're not a church person, that simply means you're not Jewish. You're anything else. And so these Gentile Christians, Paul is writing them a letter to encourage them, to cheer them on, but also to remind them of who they are. Because they are beginning to ask the question, how do we really know? How do we really know that we are following Jesus well? How do we really know that we are sons and daughters of God? One of the baseline questions that we are asking in this letter to the church at Philippi that Paul is addressing is, how do we find our identity? And time and time again, what Paul is saying is that you find your identity in Jesus Christ. But right here in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, this section that I read to you, we really need to focus on it for just a moment because something crucial is happening. In Philippi, this church is going really well, but what is beginning to occur is that there are Jewish Christians that are coming into the city. And whereas Paul is standing up to the church at Philippi and he is saying, hey guys, you find your identity in Jesus and Jesus alone. We are saved by grace through faith and not of our own doing. This kind of classic, beautiful thing that Paul is preaching. What is beginning to happen is that Jewish Christians are coming into the city of Philippi like they did earlier in the city of Galatia, like they did in Thessalonica and all these other places. And what these Jewish Christians are coming in, they're coming into the city and they're looking at these young followers of Jesus and they are saying to them that, hey guys, we're glad you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. We're glad that you know he is the Messiah. But you also know that Jesus was Jewish, right? Some of us need to know that 2,000 years later, don't we? Jesus was in fact Jewish. And these Jewish Christians are coming into the city of Philippi, and they begin saying to these young Christians that if you really want to know who you are, if you really want to find your identity, I know that Paul is saying that it is Jesus and Jesus alone, but what we are telling you as people who are steeped in the tradition of Judaism, that if you really want to be sure if you really want to be certain that you are loved by God and have a secure sense of identity, then here's what you need to do. Yes, you need to have faith in Jesus, but you also need to keep the Torah. Now, for those of us that aren't familiar with it, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in those first five books of the Bible, there are 613 commandments, 613 teachings that were given by God to the people of Israel. And the idea behind these 613 teachings is that if you follow those, then you will differentiate yourself between the world out there and the people of God here. And if you do these 613 things, then you will be a light unto the world. You will be the salt of the earth. And so what these Jewish Christians are doing is they are showing up into the city of Philippi. And they have heard what Paul is teaching and they have heard what Paul is saying. And they show up and they say, hey, we get that and that's all fine and good. But if you really want to have a secure sense of identity, yes, it is Jesus, but these people were insisting on Jesus plus. Jesus plus these 613 commandments. So they said things like, you need to get circumcised, which if you're not familiar with what that is, uh, go Google it when you get home, okay? We got some kids in the room this morning. 
They were insisting that you need to keep kosher, you need to follow Jewish dietary restrictions. They were insisting that you need to make sure you never sit down and share a meal with someone who isn't like us. Yes, Jesus is part of your identity, but if you really want to know who you are, then you also need to tack on something else. And so these Jewish Christians were showing up in the city of Philippi, and they were insisting on Jesus plus something else. And y'all, Paul shows up in this letter, and as I said, it is a letter that is filled with joy, and it is a letter that is filled with goodness. But right now, in this little section we read, my man is hot. My man is worked up and he is so incredibly agitated because he knows that this is not the truth of the gospel. Paul goes on to say in the letter, and I'll read it to you in just a moment. He says, look, if you want to know about Jewish identity, if you want to know about what it means to follow that Torah, then I know better than anybody else. And he looks at those Jewish Christians that were coming into the city of Philippi and insisting on another way, and he says this, look out for those dogs, which might not mean anything to us, but this is an interesting thing Paul is doing. Because in the Jewish world of the first century, Jews, good Jews, do you know what they called Gentiles? They called them dogs because they're rabid and they're wild and they're not like us. And Paul flips the script on them. And he says to the Christians who are insisting on Jesus alone, guys, you need to look out for those dogs because they are going to lead you astray and they're going to sell you a lie. And how do I know that this is the case? And then, my friends, Paul breaks in to this beautiful little space where he says, if someone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. You see, there are 12 tribes of Israel. Benjamin is one of the greatest. It's where some of the most influential people in Israel came from. And Paul says, I'm from that crew of people, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew. In, re in regards to the Torah, I was a Pharisee. You see, there are three schools of thought in ancient Israel. Primarily, there were zealots, there were Sadducees, and there were Pharisees. And I'm not going to go into a bunch of detail on this, but the Pharisees, they were the most popular group. They were kind of the largest street-level preachers, okay? They were the guys that people would have looked at and said, oh, I like them. They would have definitely followed their Instagram accounts, okay, if it was 2022. And he says, I was one of those guys. I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for my identity, my righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. I did all of the things that you are supposed to do. If you want to know who is the most Jewish of all the Jews, Paul says, it is me. I am the LeBron James of Judaism, in essence, is what he's saying. And then he looks at this church at Philippi and he says to them, you've got these people coming in and they are telling you that if you really want to find your identity, it is Jesus plus something else. But I'm telling you that is a lie because I've done it all and I know where it leads. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, it is all exposed for what it is. And in this beautiful passage filled with like heart and pathos, and yes, he's maybe a little bit angry in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, here's what Paul says. I've done all that Jewish stuff, but here's what I know. Here's what I know, that I, cal I calculate it as trash. Some of your translations say rubbish. I calculate it as trash 
so that my prophet may be the Messiah. Paul is insistent in this letter that if you want to know who you truly are, you find your identity in one thing and one thing alone. You find your identity in the Messiah. You find your identity in Jesus Christ. And if we do not start there, friends, what Paul is saying is that you will never make your way to joy. You will never find the life that you are intended to live. There's this great saint in the church. His name's Augustine. And he says, our hearts are restless, O God, until they find their rest in you. And Paul is writing to the church at Philippi 2,000 years ago. But he's writing to the church right now, and he is saying, if you really want to find your identity, if you really want to find your rest, it is not Jesus plus something else, but it is Jesus and Jesus alone. And all of those things that I used as a marker of my success, I now count them, quite frankly, as trash. I count them as rubbish. Now look, y'all, here's the thing. That was 2,000 years ago. And I'm talking to you about Jews and Gentiles and markers of identity. And, and now we're living in 2022. And last time I checked, nobody is coming up to us as followers of Jesus today and saying, if you really want to have your identity secure, if you really want to follow Jesus, then you need to get circumcised. I haven't been told that recently. Nobody is coming to us and saying, if you really want to have your identity secure, you need to eat kosher. That's just not happening. It's not a question that we are wrestling with. So for some of us here, especially if you've not been in church for a while, this is one of those topics that might seem a little strange. But at its root and at its core, following Torah was about identity. This is who you are, and this is what you do. And we might not ask those questions today about finding our identity through Jesus plus Torah. But here's the thing I want us to understand. Questions of identity... They are more important now than they have ever been. Because we are living in a culture, each and every one of us, because we're not isolated from reality. We leave this space on Sunday morning and we go out into the world. And the world is telling us and giving us a definition of identity that says, if you really want to be secure in who you are, then you need to have a great job. And you need to make at least six figures. But with inflation, it's going to be seven soon, right? If you really want to have a secure sense of identity, then you have to pick a side in the culture wars. Is that ringing a bell for anybody? If you really want to have a secure sense of identity, then high schooler, you have to make an A on all of your classes. And college student, you have to graduate with a job lined up where you can go into your field and succeed at all costs. If you really want to have a secure identity, the world is willing to tell us a thousand different things, and none of them involve Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, my friends, we have to consider questions of identity now more than ever. Because as the world becomes increasingly secularized and Jesus becomes less a focus of our reality, then we will be constantly pulled in a direction that is contrary to the gospel. And so we have to consider how do we know who we are? How do we find our identity in 2022? 
because the culture is pulling us one way, but the church might be doing the same. You know, I talked about those Judaizers who came in, those Jewish Christians in the city of Philippi, and they said, it's Jesus plus something else. And look, let's just get real for a minute. Because in, in the church, I'm not necessarily talking about this church, although it might be this church. I'm talking about the capital C church. What we have begun to do is say, yes, you can find your identity in Jesus plus a perfect marriage. You can find your identity in Jesus plus a house with a white picket fence, two kids, and a dog. You can find your identity in Jesus plus understanding that He wants you to be involved in this particular political program. And the church is just as guilty as the culture is saying, you can find your identity in Jesus plus. But here's the thing we have to understand, and here's why it's so dangerous, that any time you make it Jesus plus, that other thing will become more important and Jesus will fade into the background. That is the reason why people are walking away from the church in record numbers, because we have forgotten that we find our identity in nothing other than Jesus Christ See, that's the thing that I love about Paul in this letter. That's the thing that I love about Paul in his letter to the church at Galatia. That's the thing that I love about this man who is just so fixed on Jesus. He says, you've got to be careful. I am crystal clear about this is how we find our identity. And here's what he says in the letter to the church at Galatia. That I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so the life that I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Cornel West says, I am who I am because somebody loved me. And Paul, in this letter to the church at Galatia, Paul, in his letter to the church at Philippi, says we are who we are because somebody loved us. And it isn't our moms and our dads, and it isn't the president, but we are who we are because Jesus Christ loved us. He loved us enough so that he could go to the cross and die for our sins. He loved us enough that on the third day he was resurrected from the dead. We are who we are because somebody loves us. And if you want to live with joy, if you want to live with the fullness that God intends for you in your life, then you have to realize that it is not Jesus plus anything. But we are who we are because he loved us enough to give his life. He loved us enough to be raised from the dead. We are who we are because Jesus Christ loved us. We have to start there. Church, listen to me. I don't care what your political party is. I really don't. I, I do not care what your favorite sports team is. I do not care how much money you make. I do not care what color skin you have. What I care about is that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior because we are who we are because of one thing and one thing alone because of Jesus Christ, the firm and secure foundation of our identity. See, but here's the thing. Paul goes to great lengths to say, know who you are. Know whose you are. You are Jesus's. 
And then he's got this incredible line. In chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, here's what he has to say. And I want to know Christ. I know who I am. I know whose I am. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in his suffering. I want to become more like him in his death so that somehow I might attain resurrection from the dead. See, I know whose I am. I know whose, who I belong to. And I have a secure sense of identity. And once I have that secure sense of identity, then my life begins to be conformed to his. I want to know Jesus' suffering. I want to know his resurrection. I want to know the way in which he lived because I understand who I am. And y'all listen to me. This is the most important thing I'm going to tell you all morning long. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that gives us our identity. But if we know our identity, then it changes how we live. If we know our identity, then it changes how we live our lives. And God knows that the church needs to be the church now more than ever. That when you know your identity, it changes how we live. See, when I was a little boy, when I used to mess up, which, by the way, was pretty regularly. If you've got a 15-year-old kid and they're not doing well, they do have hope. My mom is here. You can ask her after the service. But when I would mess up, when I was a boy, my dad would call me back into his room, and he would sit me down, and he would say, Will, you are a dyer, and we are better than that. Will, we are dyers, and there is a standard that comes with being part of this family. You see, you know who you are, and it changes how you live. And if we know that our identity is secure in Jesus and in Jesus alone, my friends, then listen to me. In a world that is increasingly divided, in, in a world that is saying everything is falling apart at the seams. And guess what? Sometimes it sure feels like it is. We get to be people of an alternative script. If we know who we are, then it changes how we live. And we will become people who embody those fruits of the Spirit. We will be people who in place of anger are people of goodness. We will be people who in place of division will be people of kindness and gentleness, of goodness, of self-control. When you know who you are, it changes how you live. It changes what you post on social media, and it changes how you interact with your neighbors. You see, friends, this is what I'm calling on us to do as the church. This is what Paul is calling us to do as the church, is to know who we are. Cornel West said, I am who I am because somebody loved me. I am who I am because somebody loved me, and we are who we are because we are loved by Jesus Christ. And here's the thing that I want you to know this morning, that Jesus loves you. You who are watching online, and you've not been in church in a decade, Jesus loves you. You who have walked through a divorce that has wrecked your life and everything seems so broken, Jesus loves you. You, who is so filled with hate and venom and animosity towards people of another political opinion, guess what? Jesus loves you too. There's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more. 
And there's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you less because our identity is found in Him. And so my question is simply this for you, my friends. This morning, do you know that you were loved by Jesus? Because the greatest honor of our life is not what we have done. The greatest honor of our life is not what we will do. But the greatest honor of our life is to be sons and daughters of God. The greatest honor of our life is to be loved by Jesus. You see, we know who we are because somebody loved us. And may you know, my brothers and sisters, that today, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, that you are loved by Jesus. And that is really good news. Let's take a few moments now, my friends, and let's pray together. God, we are grateful for another morning where we can come and we can celebrate you and your goodness. But God, this morning, Paul reminds us of our identity, that we are who we are because someone loved us, and it's Jesus and nothing else that gives us the ground on which we stand. And so this morning, God, I want to pray in particular for some of my friends who are here in this room, some who are watching online, and God, they're struggling. They are wrecked. They feel broken. They feel alone. But God, help them to know today that they are not, that they are loved by you. God, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So may we find our rest in Jesus today. May we find our home with you. God, we love you because you first loved us. Continue to be with us now as we worship you, God. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope that you've experienced the presence of God and walk away empowered to make a difference in your community by sharing the love of Christ with those around you. We invite you to visit our website, find us on social media, or better yet, stop by one of our Sunday services, 9 a.m. for contemporary and 11 a.m. for traditional. Have an amazing week. See you next time.